Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. with a yawn dave that's a terrible that's a terrible idea 2019 light the fight podcast Ugh. that was the first one was not a fake yawn the second one was <laughs> i didn't feel like i had a chance to finish my yawn because heidi rudely interrupt me <laughs> yawning is a reset yawning oh. is a way to clear your brain and to shake off all the cobwebs sometimes to help you go to sleep sometimes to help you snap out of your lunch and have to get back to studying if you're a young person for us right now yawning is a metaphor of where we're at right now <laughs> so welcome to 2019 yawn the fight <laughs> no um in all seriousness let's just jump right into it heidi we did an episode a while ago this is david needs therapy um this would be a david needs therapy part two and <laughs> Heidi may or may not also need therapy, but since David is not available to be a therapist at this moment, hopefully you guys can be our therapist. In fact, we're kind of counting on it because we were trying to think about like, oh, what are we going to talk about today? And we both looked at each other and we're like, I've, we got so much stuff going on in our minds. We're just going to talk out loud to you. And so this one you can bill us for because um, we're going to owe you for this one. So all of our loyal listeners, thank you for giving Light the Fight Therapy because we is people too. And yes, I know I said that incorrectly. So, Heidi, let's uh, try to unravel this tangled cords. I feel like there's like, you know, those electrical outlets with all these cords plugged in. Like there's one big electrical outlet and all the cords are all tangled up. And that's our emotions. What, what, would you agree or disagree uh, with that? Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. I, I have some knots in my stomach. And um, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, real quick, big shout out to 1-800 for sponsoring this shiz show. <laughs> and they're I'm telling be, you, they're going to be super proud. I'm telling you, Kleenex, you're missing out on it because Heidi's just about to start crying. I can feel it coming. So again, we want to put out the Kleenex. We're here. Whenever you want to hit us up, we'd be a great sponsor for you. But go ahead, continue, Heidi. Um, well, you know... It it is interesting and and just so that we get kind of all on the same page, um, emotional stuff and and em emotional turmoil doesn't like check in and say, "Do you have time for me right now?" Or tomorrow at three thirty, we'll be having a <laughs> panic attack. <laughs> um, and I think that I'm a little bit resentful of that situation right now. Um, for me and my business and my in my Heidi Swap world, Heidi Swap crafting world, um, I'm about ready to leave in the morning at 6 a.m. on a flight down to Phoenix, Arizona, and that we have a show that happens um, once a year, and it's called Creativation. 
I figured you'd probably really like that. I, I, you know, I, I love the, the name. combination. Yeah, I know. I knew you would. It's probably something you would have come up with. Absolutely. But anyway, um, this is a show that we uh, we set up booths and we meet with vendors and people come from all over the world to um, see what's new, to place orders, to interact with us. Uh, and I have the opportunity, um, probably the best place to get my products or what, you know, a great place to get my products is called scrapbook.com. And it's an online retailer and they have, um, we have an agreement with, with them that they actually, they pick up everything that I release. And so it kind of, it's like a, it's always a great place unless there's some exclusivity thing that we have because right now I do have an exclusivity thing at Joanne. So I guess I shouldn't say that. But anyway, scrapbook.com um, has set up a time for me to come into their studio and record for their site. And so I've been prepping projects and getting video pieces together. Um, I've been creating samples for my booth. I've been making signage and planning how everything was going to come together, coming up with what we're going to wear. Um, and at the same time, there's like a million other things that have, have inserted themselves in the meantime. And you know what? I remember a time when when my work and my, like, my creativity and what I was doing with designing new products and collections, like, that was it. Like, that was my focus. And I was laser beam focused, right? And Obsessed? Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll go f so far. I'm sorry. I'll go f so far to say it was like this huge part of my identity for sure. Um, this week, which is usually the time when like, and, and this week, like today minus a week ago, um, is usually my time when it's like all hands on deck. I'm, I'm prepping, I'm focused, I'm, uh, operating at my most intensity to get ready for this show and um i have been doing that filming videos doing photo shoots you know all the things but in addition to that i think i counted up um what i think there were three or four meetings with different people suicide prevention groups who are trying to figure out how they can help their communities um, organizations that have come together that are talking about things um, and that doesn't count like the phone calls the text messages <laughs> right. the messages and not all these things are um, are two steps or three steps or five steps removed um, there's also things going on right in my own house and I'm like, you guys, I don't, I can't. Can you guys just let me get ready for my show? And then let's talk next week. Um, but. These things. It, that doesn't, yeah. that just doesn't happen. And. Um, 
and I'm mourning the loss. There, here I go. I this is here's my shame. I am mourning the loss of when I just got to design pretty scrapbook stuff. <laughs> that's not. That's not it anymore. So, stomach in knots. Because also, just so that you know, I get freaking nervous before I go to this show. And I've done it 20 times. And there's a million moving parts. And I've, in theory, I'm supposed to look good. And I'm supposed to be excited. And I'm supposed to, like, it's a show, which means that you're on. Um, so, so yeah, some, <laughs> what'd you call it? Tangled cords? Yeah, I got him. <laughs> well, you, you failed to mention another thing. So let me add to your worries. And oh, okay. if you That's did not think idea. about this, I already <laughs> apologize. Let me apologize ahead of time. So last year at this time is when Heidi and I first started recording our initial Parent Trap podcast. <laughs> For various reasons, it didn't work out, recordings didn't work out, the name didn't work out. But when we started recording our podcast last year, you had just got back from this exact same show. Oh, so you're going to bring up the vulnerability yeah. hangover. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're not <laughs> going there and get to be distracted by all work. So let me clue you guys in. Um, so if you don't know who Heidi Swap is... Here's Heidi Swap. <laughs> what brought her to the dance is not what may is not what's making people want to dance with her like it used to. So many of you listening have followed her, followed her, and you came over from following her as a fan through crafting, and you came over to like the fight because it, not do you like not do you just like crafting? You also like to keep your kids healthy and safe, and have good relationships with them. So many of Heidi's crafting followers started to listen to what we we're talking about, started to relate. And they had known the story about you losing Corey. And now there's this trend. Whenever you go out to do, and I'm doing air quotes, crafting, the conversation starts to change at some point with a lot of these people. Maybe not everyone, but a lot of these people are like, oh, yeah, crafting. Oh, yeah, I like your products. Hey, so, you know, um, I was listening to your podcast. Or, hey, you know, this happened. And, you know, and, and then it starts to become very personal. And when someone brings up their child, brings up that you inspired them or they have a question for you about their worries with their child, you go from Heidi, the bling bling creative creator to creative creator. You get what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> I told you. I yawned in the beginning of a podcast. <laughs> has anyone ever in the history, Google, has anyone ever started a podcast with a yawn? That's got to be the call. most attractive. <laughs> so you go from bedazzling all the stuff and being this person they're looking at for information how to you know do crafting to some sort of like oracle of light to their darkness and their pain. Now, when you have a line of people to talk to you and each person has a story to tell you because they relate to your story, you can't just go, oh yeah, hi, okay, next person. Oh yeah, you're worried about your kid and, and they're struggling with all these issues. Okay, oh, I'm sorry, that sucks to be you. Okay, anyways, next. You can't pass people on. So you sit with them, you talk with them. And that was one of the biggest things when you said you came back from last year's show was that even though you were there for crafting and that's what, you know, the whole get up was, you weren't prepared for what was going to happen in those conversations. 
And when you came back, you had the, the mo at that time, you told me that was the biggest vulnerable hangover you'd ever had. So it was this great experience, but at the same time, it caught you off guard because you were starting to see that it went beyond crafting and it went to you being a person that they knew on a whole different level because you've been so open about what you've been going through. Honored that people thought of you that way. Totally happy that people want to talk to you. Totally gracious that people shared such personal things that they probably don't share with a lot of people. But you're zapped from that. And by no means am I telling people don't go talk to Heidi about this because I know you would never want people to feel uncomfortable to come talk to you. But this year before Christmas or after Christmas, we talked about next year, you got to do things different. Don't get blindsided. So now you're coming into this big you know, event, having already all these experiences you just talked about, community events, talking, messages. And just so you guys know, and I'm saying this because it's hard to count. It, me as a mental health professional, I'll get the actual numbers. But from my estimation, from what I'm hearing through the grapevine, from my connections, my people, there has been four local teenage suicides in the past two and a half weeks. I may be off by one, give or take, three or five, but I'm pretty confident that it looks like there's been four and two of which have happened in the past couple days. So Heidi Swap did not volunteer for being the oracle of light for all these people who are struggling. <laughs> well, but when you start to think strong of, words. if you start to think of, hey, if you're a friend of someone that just lost their child to suicide and you know of Heidi, of course you're going to think this woman has some great, amazing insight that she can weigh in. Because there's not too many people that you can call that you think could add real comfort and support to a mother or parent that's been through this unless you know that person has also been through it. You as a family member and friend can want to give all the support you can, but there's something about someone who's gone through the exact same or very similar experience that they trump everyone else. So naturally, everybody goes, what would Heidi do? What would Heidi say? And Heidi's going, Heidi doesn't even know what Heidi would say. So she's trying to figure it out as she goes. And then going on to this event, by no means am I trying to make you like, I was joking when I said Oracle is just using, a, <laughs> I like, I say crazy extreme stuff. Okay. If you haven't noticed that, but my point being is that you're figuring it out. You're trying to make sure that you're there for your family. And in her defense, even though we're coming to you yawning, I've been on the biggest high. Heidi's been on the biggest high and we've been in the zone for like two weeks straight but I don't think either of us have really been in the zone this locked in and this dialed in to supporting and helping people for this long without a, like an actual crash. But for some reason, we're like levitating. Like we, in 2019, we're at this other sphere that we've never been at before. I think a lot of it has to do with the longer we do this and the more these tragedies come up, we don't have time to sit and feel sorry about ourselves. So that's why I said this is really you guys giving us counseling or therapy or coaching by letting us talk this out. But Heidi, did... Just tell me, what, what are some of your thoughts about everything I just rattled off? One, did you remember last year? Did you think about the year going into the show? Like, you have to be mindful that this is very likely going to happen again. And I don't mean the outcome, but like people coming up and oh, talking yeah. to you. Oh, yeah. And the good news is that the good news is that after a year of, of talking um, on this podcast, I have words now. And last year, I think that I was ready to talk, but I didn't have words. And so now I, 
I'm also not as afraid. The, the fear is, I mean, don't get me wrong. I still have plenty of fear probably, but, um, I hadn't really thought about the vulnerability hangover. Like I was really just still stressed out about the prep. <laughs> um, You're welcome. And, and I will say that, um, that this year, and this is kind of a spoiler alert, I guess if, if you follow me for the crafting stuff and for the scrapbooking stuff, um, I'm not supposed to talk about this yet, but too late. I'll probably spill it in the next couple of days. Will, so. er will everybody keep this confidential? <laughs> um, it, you know, it's not a big deal. I don't um, know what you're gonna say. I'm I'm curious now. <laughs> so, I'm a scrapbooker, and we designed paper. <laughs> and I, yeah, thank I'm you sorry. for withholding. Thank you for withholding your comment. Um, <laughs> but. At this show, I'm releasing a new collection that nobody's seen yet. comes out in the spring, and it's called Wolfpack. Oh, yeah. I didn't know about that. And it's... Um, so I was, like, working on some samples for the video that I'm going to do. And when I work on the samples, I start, like, imagining how the video is going to go and how, what I'm going to say. And I was working on my sample, and um, it's a very outdoor feeling, very, um, it's a, it turned out so good. Um, and so I was using photos from, oh, sorry. <laughs> so I'm like using photos from our camping trip and from our Lake Pal trip and from hiking and And I'm thinking about what I'm going to talk about in the video. I'm like, outdoors connects us. Being outdoors and doing things together with people that we love connects us. Wolves are social creatures. Right, <laughs> right. And, and as I'm, I'm thinking about how I'm going to present this collection, um, I all of a sudden realize that people are going to know why why I created this collection, which is going to add, <laughs> it's going to add to the level of emotional vulnerability that I have at this show. So instead of being able to keep those, instead of trying to keep those two worlds separate, you're like marrying the two. I've decided I have to. Because I absolutely believe that stories connect us and that we have to tell stories. And you know what? Scrap, we've just gotten away from it. Is it, is it a coincidence that we've stopped printing photos and we've stopped telling stories and we've stopped creating albums and that people are wondering, like, where they belong? And where they came from. Exactly. Like, is it a coincidence? Um, anyway, so <laughs> I sort of had this, like, oh, crap. I've got a big... <laughs> I got a big display of wolves and full moons and eagles and bears. <laughs> I got a full display of my heart. And um, 
I gotta show up and back it up. And, um, absolutely do I know that people are going to come up to me and talk. And here's what I've decided. You're going to be proud of me for this because last year I wore this sweatshirt that said, not a hugger. Because I was maybe thinking that, because, okay, so I'm not really a hugger. (laughs) Um, And I get it. It's genetic. It's from my mom. I just, you know how you know those people and they just give those hugs and I'm just not that girl. And, but in the, in my industry, like we're huggers, like people are huggers in my industry, but I'm not really a hugger, but I fake like I'm a hugger. And, um, and then since losing Corey, people really want to hug me more. And, um, so last year I was like, okay, I'm going to wear this sweatshirt. Maybe it will deter some hugs, which it didn't really, it just made people feel bad that they hug me. Well, for 2019, and we talk about we talked about bridges, which I got to tell you, that's just been sitting in my heart. I love it so much. If you haven't listened to the episode about building bridges, which is the first episode that we did in in twenty nineteen, which I think is forty one, um, I have decided to become a hugger, and I read a I read a an article. It was episode 41. Impressive. Um, I think I've sent, I think I've told a few people to listen to 41. Anyway, um, I read this article about how important hugs are. (coughs) And I think we even talked here about that eight second hug for the dopamine hit or oxytocin or one of, I I don't know what drug, what brain drug it is. Anyway, um, I've decided that maybe the reason why I wasn't a hugger is because maybe I was afraid afraid for people to to let people in. Um and I don't know if that seems weird, but I I'm I'm a guarded person in in some ways. Mostly I guard my shame. Let's be honest, right? And um so, so you have a sweater that says "World's Best Hugger" on it. <laughs> no, I'm not going that far. Maybe like because I think we could maybe get when one the made bridge, maybe when quickly. I get all the way over the bridge. Um, but no, I've decided that I'm gonna hug people. Just like, just I'm just gonna hug them with my whole heart. Hug them, hug them big, and I'm gonna let them feel me, and feel my, feel feel it all. And I'm going to, because stuff can transfer through that hug, right? And, um, and I can remember, and I know I've talked about this before, that when I first lost Corey, people would hug me and there would be a, a scared hug. Like, I hope this doesn't happen to my kids, or I don't know what to say to you, or I know what you're going through, but I don't want to, t- t- you know, I'm afraid. And then there would be a mom who has lost a kid to suicide or had lost a kid or struggled with depression, or had an attempt, or somebody that knew, and they would give me this hug that would transfer this energy of, I've got you, and I get you, and I feel you, and you're not alone here. And those hugs were like so vastly different, 
And when, sorry, when you're standing in four hours at a viewing, hugging two or 3,000 people, you start to feel the difference, right? And I want to be somebody who gives a hug that tells you that I am there for you, that I get you. And that was a tangent. And I don't know really why I told you that because now people are going to really want me to hug them. But I'm smiling. <laughs> I want you to let Heidi hug you. <laughs> I want you to be out in front of it. I mean, the shame game, everybody's in the shame game. Everybody's playing that, that game inside their, their own head. But like any game, I mean, do you want to win the game or do you want to get your butt kicked by the game? And you've been playing it long enough, specifically publicly on, on this podcast, that that would make perfect sense to have a better offense approach to sometimes the best way to deal with your shame or deal with your insecurities or, you know, your pain, you know, and however you want to say it. Because, you know, there's not just one word to say shame or insecurities. But it might be a better way to deal with it instead of trying to say, you know what, I'm not ready for that. Um, you know, I'll hug people if I have to. Try something totally different. We're constantly telling parents after everything else fails, then you just need to think outside the box and try something different. Well, I think it's safe to say that you've failed at not sharing hugs or you failed at, you know, like holding back on it. So try something totally different for you to say, I'm not a hugger. I mean, that's, that's not true. But when you said like, I've been scared to hug, I've been holding back. Well, that's more accurate. So if you go to this event and if you, I do this with, I can tell you what I do just to kind of give you like a little heads up. I started to realize this. First of all, I'm totally a hugger. In my family, in my culture, you get raised really young as a Polynesian, like the culture. There's things you have to do or else you're going to get physically disciplined. One, take off your shoes before you walk in someone's house. <laughs> Two, hug them and kiss them on the cheek on the side of it's a woman. Hug every guy. like You hug every one of your cousins. You hug them all. And three, when they make food and say, would you like to take some home? You take as much as you can carry. <laughs> all those things are disrespectful if you don't do those things just part of just i love the polynesian culture. culture so much i just love it so much and so i always knew that but when i started counseling i found it really quickly that people while we're talking in the middle of a counseling session we're we're connecting reviving they're crying i'm crying with them and then all of a sudden when the time was up they snapped into reality they go oh this is a professional relationship even though i felt close to you that I'm here for a reason, like with your people might be like, oh, I'm here to buy your products. But wow, I felt such a close conversation happening and connection happening. So right when those sessions would be done, I would see people like stick out their hand to shake my hand. And it was the weirdest, most oddest thing. And we'd both look at each other like, wait a second. I am going to shake your hand. But you just <laughs> told me stuff that your own family doesn't even know your own best friends don't even know about you and we cried and we're gonna like fist bump and shake hands something just did not make sense in our biology and our dna so out of my bravery and i said it was bravery because when i was coming out of graduate school they told you all these warnings don't do this don't do that you know you know don't like they didn't say you can't hug people they'd say be careful because someone may interpret the wrong way so they scare you about all the things you can get sued on because there's a lot of weird people out there that are right. therapists too, right? Sure. And I just said, you know what? Especially with guys, because guys hugging guys, it seemed to be more the uncomfortable. And usually moms and 
you know, females, they'd be like, come here. Like after cry, they would want to hug me. I'd look at guys and I'd say, I'm coming in for the good stuff. And I'd give them a warning. I'd come in and some guys would be like, are you seriously going to hug me right there? And I'd just go in for it. <laughs> I'd never had anyone push me on my chest, pull away. I've had some people kind of give like the, they put their arms around me. If, you, if you've ever seen Step Brothers with Will Ferrell, like he goes to hug his new stepdad. He's like, he like didn't know what to do. It was like a really awkward moment. And they didn't actually even hug. He just pretended to hug. <laughs> Point is, some people don't know how to do it. It doesn't mean that they're not huggers. But if you're having a moment with someone, and if you know you're going to be talking to these women, you should look at them. I always say, come here, bring it in. We're, we're coming in for the good stuff. You can model for them how to express everything that they've been feeling, everything they've been saying in words. But that's like the closing that's like the mic drop. When you hug someone, you, there's nothing else needs to be said. Like that's like a stamp, approval, validation. I was here. You were here. We're not going to forget this moment. Well, I, I, I've been trying to like make this change a little bit. And I'm, I'm not, this is, I shouldn't have told anybody. I shouldn't, I definitely shouldn't have said it here, but because um, it was, it's just kind of in my little thing. And at church, I hugged like four people on Sunday. Which I'm already thinking of the post for this. You guys, episode this is big. This is big. And then today, so you guys probably know this. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and and one of the things that we do is we go to we go to the temple. And um, today, in preparation to go to my show, I was like, you know what? I just need to go and like spend some time in the temple and just like put everything away for a minute. Which Pray, I did. meditate. Yep. Get your mind right. Um, so I went to a different temple than I usually go to. There's lots of temples where I live, just so you know. So like in Utah? I, <laughs> I have to go far. Um I ran into more people that I know from one lady that babysat me when I was little, all the way to people who have played rugby with my kids. And do you know what every single person said to me? What? Been listening to the podcast. Every single person. And um, every single person, I gave like a big, like a big bear hug to, and it felt good. And I was surprised. I didn't, I didn't expect to see anybody. I, I just not make an eye contact, you know, I'm just there doing my thing and, um so it was a it was a different environment that that I was used to having these connections happen um and you, in the temple you don't really have a lot of time to chat but it was very like just those hugs um I let those hugs dump some fuel in and I needed it and so Anyway, that's, like I said, I was just kind of going to experiment with it for a while. <laughs> so maybe I shouldn't have. I'm already thinking, can we put together a booth for your event? You know, like those free hug booths? Oh, no, no, no. That's too far. Now you've gone booth? too far. Of course. Of course you've gone too far. How about hug Heidi and you can win a free prize? <laughs> okay. Anyway, now you now it's got too far. But that so now I feel like I can't trust you with my no. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad that after almost coming around or a few months away from a year doing this podcast, but I'm glad at, at this point 
you're not hugging people that when they tell you like I remember in the beginning you said something like this. Someone would see you go, I've been listening to your podcast and your hug would be like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you like apologize when you hug them. It's like, and you're still saying hi to me? Like, what's I wrong do with think you? to myself, and and what did you take away from it? But now you're <laughs> but just- But I'm past that. Yeah, now, yeah. Well, and you're past that. And and I mean, think how cool that is where, in, in this podcast for us, it's a public thing, but for everyone else out there, you know, that could be your own emotional podcast by just giving someone a hug. Send someone a text. It could be, you know, in you know, a GIF hug. Um, I know my daughter the other day. She sent me this funny GIF, and um, it was like a hugging GIF. And I explained to her like what like like it was. Like I knew she was. Like, we had a really good conversation, and she she said, you know, Dad, hugs are really good, and and I like to hug you. And every time you hug me, I know you love me. And basically, what she said is, it reminded me of Avatar, the movie Avatar. For those of you that haven't seen Avatar, it came out a long it. time ago. Spoiler alert. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> they have this part where it was the coolest part in the, when they when they bond with their dragons. And they have this thing where their braids and their hair whips around it and locks the braid. And it actually looked like some sort of DNA kind of molecule type. And they braid together. And instantly the dragon would look at them and they'd look at each other and they could read each other's minds and they were bonded for life. Well, when they'd see people, they put their heads together and when they bond like that, they look at their, their friend or whatever and they say, I see you. So instead of saying, hi, you know, how you been? Like they would look at each other and they'd bond like that and they'd say, I see you. For me, that this, I think that's something in our core. I don't think it's unique to the Polynesian culture or, you know, the, the cultures that I grew up in. But when my daughter was talking about that and I, I said, you know, I hug you and this and that, I go, hug means you love. And she's like, yeah, every time you hug me, I feel you love me. Like, it's like you're noticing me. And that I just thought of the Avatar movie. So I just, I just want to bring that up. So every time you're going to someone and you're hugging them, you're saying, I see you. But sometimes words can mess it up. Sometimes we can over talk or say <laughs> too much like I'm doing right now. But you get what I'm, you get what I'm well, and picking I think, up what I'm putting down? I do think that when... When you let somebody, for me, okay, so the old Heidi. The Pre-2019. One that, the, the one that I think I still wish was me, but it's not. The one you're mourning. The, yeah. Um, that one just super independent. I I feel like I'm I'm open, but I wasn't, I didn't let people help me. I didn't like to be helped. I didn't like to... I didn't want people to know about about my my struggle and my shame. I like to tell people my mistakes. I like to tell people what I do wrong. Did you I'm like to laugh at. at yourself? Yeah, yeah, and and then people lower their expectations of you. But for people to actually, it was almost see, like a defense mechanism for your insecurities. Like, let me totally. put my insecurities out there front, uh, up front. That way, you lower your expectations. I'm just a regular person. You don't totally. expect a lot of me. Totally, which. But that wasn't my shame. My shame was way more about like, I don't need anybody. I'm strong enough. And that was just the way it manifested itself when so, it came out. Yeah. So I think that um, you can make a decision to either let somebody hug you and let their energy cross into you and buoy you up and and fortify you. Or you can choose to be like, no, I'm not worthy of 
whatever it is that you're trying to offer. Or I don't need it, or I don't want it, or it makes me feel uncomfortable to to gain that from you. What I think I'm realizing is that it's okay for me to let somebody support me with that hug energy, with that, and and let it just kind of give me that boost of, I see you, and I understand you, and I love you. Um, Man, I don't know why I'm so emotional about that. <laughs> My kids have... I'm not a great hugger even to my kids. Um, <laughs> they really like to hug me a lot. <laughs> and I'm always like, okay, that was, that's good. We're good. We got stuff to do. Homework to do. Get it out. You know, and um, those, t- those Tostino's pizza rolls don't microwave themselves. <laughs> <laughs> boom, love, boom. Love, 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 love. Anyway. Maybe you get that joke from some of <laughs> podcast. She's doing better though, right? Doing I am better. doing better. Yeah. So... I've noticed even today, man, I was stressed out and my oldest, Colton, who's who's not a super hugger, just kept hugging me. And I was like, finally, I, finally I stopped and I really gave him a hug and he's like, thank you. You know, it's, it's that contact and that connection that I have been resistant to. Surprise, surprise, me resistant. You know, it's I'm like I'm finally realizing that that helps. So, but I hadn't thought of it as like, this is my strategy at the show. This is my offensive strategy. I didn't think of it that way. I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm giving up. I'm giving in. I'm, I'm accepting energy from others. Well, it's easy to do. Like if you've had a deep conversation with, let's say, a mother, because I know lots of mothers have have opened up to you and shared with you their struggles. Not just mothers have lost kids to death, but mothers have lost the relationship with their kids and they've had deep conversation with you. You see them across the room. You guys can walk across the room after you've had that conversation. And the first thing you do is go up to them and hug them. Yeah. And so, you know, not everyone is going to be like you, but I'm glad to hear that you're realizing that there's some things that words just can't say and hugging and intimacy because intimacy, there's physical, emotional, spiritual, and there's sexual, there's different categories of intimacy. And when you have that physical touch and that, that I see you type of intimacy that comes through from a hug, it's a language in of itself. And I know I was thinking when you were talking like at your event, um, when we did that, um, that thing for Bingham High School, which maybe we'll talk about for a minute because we haven't talked about that because you know we didn't do our podcast last week. But um, there's a bunch of teenagers there that I've known for years that were helping out, doing a little booth for our nonprofit Quit Tripping. And even though I wasn't talking to them, they were talking to a bunch of parents. And at the end, they just came down. And as soon as they saw me, as soon as I saw them, I go, thank you so much for coming down. No, we're so happy to be here. And they gave me a big hug. It's like, I love you. I'm like, love you too. And they walked away. An interesting thing is that I'm so used to doing that with them after our groups and I've just known them for so long. I noticed the look on every single parent's face because some of these kids, not kids, teenagers, you know, they got the gauges in their ears. They got the nose pierced. Like they got all that stuff. 
but you could tell like they came up to me and I came up to them and there was like no like hesitation. Like there was no awkward moment. It was boom. It was locked. They gave me a big strong hug. I love you, David. I'm like, I love you. And they walked away and people looked at us like, I had a couple parents go, that was really cool. I knew what they meant by that, but they're present pleasantly surprised. Like how come these teenagers, because a lot of these teenagers were teenagers that looked like their kids. How come these kids are so easily going up to this old guy, hugging him? I mean, just one of those hugs where it's so genuine. It's not even a question. And he's hugging them. They're saying they love each other and they walk away. And they didn't have to say a lot of words. It's boom, boom, boom. They walked away and it was solid. And a couple people said, wow, that was really cool. And I'm like, yeah, it is cool. I'm just so used to it that I, I guess what I'm saying, I want you, but I want every parent out there. I want every adult. I want everyone to have those experiences. But if you're not open to go first, and to model for them that if you're not a hugger, well, you could be a hugger and a good one if you practice it. And also you could tell people things that your words can never say to them. Yeah. And actually, every one of those kids, every one of those kids from Quit Trippin', first thing they did when they got there is came over and gave me a big, a big old hug. And cool, huh? I just, I don't know. They Their hugs they are those hugs it. that you're like, they yeah. hug you like... Oh, that's a real, like, they know something. That's yeah. not like a passive hug. That's like, I'm giving you, yeah, you have my heart. You have my trust. Like, yeah. you're part of our club. Like, you, you get it. Yeah, and it's and it's reassuring for, for me, especially that night, at that night at Bingham. One thing to consider, too, and I just thought of this right now, you're talking about, for the young people in your life, and I'm not talking to Heidi, I'm talking to everyone right now, not just to Heidi, I mean, Everyone in your, all the young people in your life, think of all the hugs that they didn't get in some of their hardest, difficult times or the hugs that they weren't open to. So if you're a trusted adult, whether you be a parent, uncle, aunt, coach, friend, or whatever, and you have that relationship where you're able to give them a hug, give them a hug because that hug, even though it may not be coming from the person that they don't get the hugs from, but that hug can really do so much to counterbalance all the missing love, the missed opportunities in their life. Teenagers can seem very disinterested in affection from some adults and wanting it so much from other adults. If you're a trusted adult, put yourself out there. And if you're not sure if they'll be all right with it, tell them. Don't ask them, hey, are you okay with me giving you a hug? Because we don't do the question things here. <laughs> Say, I would like to give you a hug. And just start to approach it. And if they're a little hesitant, and they just kind of come in for a side hug the first time, hey, win's a win. All right? <laughs> That's better than nothing. And each time it slowly starts to open up, before you know it, they know they can come to you. You have not just planted a seed. You've actually planted a language and an expression inside of them that no matter how they dress, no matter what they look like, no matter how many people haven't showed them love, you're not one of those people. I always... Actually, like being somebody who is not really a hugger, um, there's always that person that they say, they say to me, "I'm a hugger," <laughs> you know, and yeah, they don't ask for permission. They <laughs> right, just come no, in. They don't, and so you're just Coming kind of hot. you're just kind of like, well, okay, if I guess if you're a hugger, and then I guess I'll, I guess I'll let you hug me, type of a thing. And there's there's a few people in my life that, gosh, they give like such great hugs. A few of my my um friends my my women friends that that 
the these hugs I and I I felt jealous that I wasn't that kind of a hugger you know and um and so it's okay I think if you say that if you say I'm a hugger which I it's going to take me a while to get to that point <laughs> but if you someone mean like when does your event start <laughs> Like, like tomorrow. Tomorrow? Okay, so can it take you a full 24 hours to get there? Like if you just say, I'm a hugger, then people just, they just kind of give into it because they know that, you know, well, there's it is, no point it, in resisting. You know, just to clarify, I'm assuming that most people listen to this podcast, you get what I'm saying. I'm not just saying walk by some stranger and jump out and hug him out of nowhere. Like, run, run, ah. You know, like you have a connection, you're feeling for this person, you see it, they're down, whatever. I would like to give you a hug. You're stating your intent. And usually when someone knows your intent, it's a lot easier for them to like, you know, to, to want, to, you know, to reciprocate that. But if you're saying, hey, are you okay with me hugging you? And you have this really weird, like, like, like <laughs> unsure look on your face. Well, then they're not sure if you want to hug them. Nobody wants a sympathy hug. People want like a connection hug. A sympathy hug, it's like, you know, you're now my service project. <laughs> Right. I don't, even even victims don't want to be a victim. Like actual people have been victimized. They don't want to be a victim. <laughs> so no one's like, I want everybody to feel sorry for me. Even when we want someone to show up to us, we prefer them actually seeing us, hugging us as a person that recognizes, acknowledges us, and sharing that love with us versus just going, oh, I feel so bad for you. Something different. It's something different about those hugs. And you're right. There's all different types of hugs. We can all work on it. We can all master that craft specifically for those of you wanting to let someone know that you are a person that they can come back to and that you are a supportive person, not a person that wants to highlight all their insecurities right. and point out all their flaws. Because you can, you can definitely say that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can say that for, that's easy to do. You know, that, yeah. uh, it's easy to, to screw up an intimate, close connecting moment by over talking or saying something wrong. That's why I just hugs for me is, is just a language that it's just, it's hard to get wrong once you figure out how to do it. And I don't know, I haven't really studied this, but most cultures have some, their own version of a hug. You know, they're, they're even if they're not actually hugging, they have some sort of a handshake. Some cultures put their foreheads to one another. So they actually touch their foreheads. Um, whatever, your culture comes, whatever culture you come from, I doubt you come from a non-hugging culture. I swap. <laughs> For whatever reason, if you've gotten to that place, you know. Well, and this is, here's an interesting tidbit. And I, I didn't anticipate us going on this huge hugging <laughs> tangent. Um, but so my mom wasn't really a hugger. And um, my dad gave good hugs and still... You know, I always felt comfortable giving my dad a hug, but my mom and I just, I didn't, that just wasn't part of our relationship. Um, my mom has been diagnosed with something called primary progressive aphasia. And she's 60 years old and um, super healthy. She actually looks very young, but it has attacked the communication center in her brain. And, um, so a lot of people like it's comparable to dementia from the standpoint that that attacks your memory system. Um, but aphasia attacks your communication system. So she can't 
really talk and she can't really understand and she's she's not really reading and writing and it's it's um it's created it's it's very challenging um and frustrating and and very sad um but we have become huggers because i don't i can't tell her stuff I show her pictures, so pictures work great, and and we can communicate. And I like to show her videos, and I like, and that's how I communicate with her, so she can see it visually. But it's so interesting in my whole life how I've never really connected with her um, through hugging. Now, it has become our primary means of of communication. I hug her when I get there. I usually hug her and love her and squeeze her a couple times while I'm there, just like to reassure her that, just hoping that she's going to feel, you know, and I give her these big hugs before I leave. And, and I think, um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful that I at least have that and that she can look at me in the eye and, and hug and, and that she can, that we can know that. And so I do think that it can overcome a lot of challenges in communication. You know, I, I didn't know about your mom. You know, thanks for sharing that because I can relate because, you know, my mom's, uh, you know, at a, at a place with dementia and those types of things. And I, that's just really cool, Heidi. It's really cool because I imagine when you hug her now, there's so much gratitude. There's so much appreciate from her. It's just like, there's my baby girl. Like, that's my girl. I can hold her. Because at the end of the day, if you got another day with your mom to hug her, like, what else do you really need to say? Right. I mean, for the last six and a half years of my dad's life, he, you know, he's paralyzed from a stroke on half his body. He couldn't speak anymore. All I could do is kiss him on the floor and, and hug him for almost seven years. It was the only means of communication whatsoever and it worked. He yeah. knew. I knew how he felt towards me. He knew how I felt towards him. And I would still talk to him. He just couldn't respond. But when he hugged me, he cried every single time I hugged him. He would tear up and smile. He just felt it. Sometimes I think about like... <laughs> All the things that I've kind of missed out on because I was so busy, like, being kind of uptight. <laughs> Wait, how do you be kind of uptight? Okay, so, I don't know. That's another podcast. I mean, you know, like... <laughs> I'm just kidding, Heidi. You you, you met the, the before Heidi. You know, it, it'd be interesting to know what your thoughts were that first time when I came in and I'm making jokes and I'm trying to, I'm talking so fast and I'm covering up all my shames and nobody can, you know, and I oh, didn't see right through any of that. Gosh, I have, I've come a long way in some, in summer sex. <laughs> you and I both, you and oh. I both. Well, yeah. uh, real briefly, uh, before we wrap it up, um, you know, we, we had a really good time speaking to the parents um, it, technically I spoke and then at the last minute I said, I'm going to have my friend Heidi come up here. I am a firm believer in the ask for forgiveness, not permission <laughs> mantra. So let me set the, the stage. Okay. 
Um, <clears throat> it's still every time that there is a suicide for that school, for the administration, for the teachers. And there's been a few of them this year. It is the amount of fear. And and I just, I, I feel for them. Because they don't want to, they don't want to, and I'm just going to just, I'm just going to say it. They don't want to glorify it. They don't want to heroize it. They don't want to give people ideas. They don't want to make it about that. And so a lot of times they just don't do anything. Maybe there's an email that goes out to the parents. Uh, maybe or they have a motivational crisis. speaker that they yeah, motivational. To, to give a message of hope or something. Or they have crisis workers available if you're brave enough to go down there and, and talk to them. Um, There's definitely not a system. Which which I, I commend, um, you know, Jordan School District was trying to, trying to figure out a system and they've actually got a new, um, they've got a new guy in, a new position there. Um, so. Shout out to McKinley. Shout out to Wellness McKinley. coordinator for the Jordan School District. He's doing big things. And for the first time ever, they... At, at Bingham, they whipped together a, a parent night. Um, and it was, it was, it was kind of like not like when I say whip it together, they, they felt the need and they said, let's do it. Yeah. And, they didn't have time to plan this for a couple right? of months. So it wasn't like this big yeah. long thing and, and resources showed up and, um, you know, the information got out. It didn't, it didn't get out to en enough, you know. I've heard from a lot of people that wish they would have known, but anyway, um, they invited David to speak, which was really a big deal. And I will say this: even though it wasn't like perfectly planned, and even though it wasn't perfectly communicated, and even though people felt like it, it, the word didn't get out, or you know, all the things that maybe we could say that, that could be better, they did it, and that is a far cry. Um, and and it's time. It's time for us to do that. And so, so David, um, David spoke and and uh, he he did question answer answered questions. <laughs> so, I, I got to give a big shout out to Kristen Richards Kong, who's the principal there. Um, imagine this for a second. She she's been a principal at this high school, and this could be any principal, but because we're, we spoke at Bingham High School, the buck stops with her. There's no way that you're the head of a school. Now, I know that the suicides that she's had in the years that she's been there, <laughs> there's no way that she, like she directly, it's not like she's not doing things to keep the kids safe, that they're not trying to run a school there. But this is an institute of education and learning and 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 sports and all these different types of things. It's, it's they're trying to build a community. But when you're in a community, you get the, the other parts of the community too, like the rough times, the things that people are going through, such as something very severe like a suicide or multiple suicides throughout the years since she's been there. And for her to be able to say, you know what, we have to do something different for her to coordinate with McKinley and have someone like myself. It, it didn't have to be me per se, but when they talked to me and they said like, here's some of our ideas. We know you've talked to other schools, you know, what is happening to those schools? And I just clearly stated to them, Usually when I've gone to other schools, and they've all been smaller schools, um, the smaller schools have a little bit more freedom to try outside the box things because 
the communities are, are tighter. You know, it's 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 a smaller group of people. And I said, usually what they'll do is they'll have a, like a panel of professionals. Now imagine 15 professionals trying to answer questions that some of these questions are fueled with fear from parents. Sometimes parents are upset and angry feeling that the school or people have not done their job. And people get angry when there's a death and and scared and all those things. And they throw lots of different types of stuff out there. Well, the handful of times where I was invited to sit on these panels, it was chaotic. You could tell the educators and principals were scared because some of the questions that were coming, most people on the panel, these professionals, they didn't even talk with teenagers every single day. They were representing an organization and they were titled professionals. I'm not saying some of them weren't professionals that spoke with teenagers every day, but they had a very specific specialty and it might've been teaching suicide prevention seminars. It might've been you know, the, you know, as a school counselor. So they had all these unique, very, you know, unique um, insights, but it was very limited. They couldn't answer, not one person was able to answer um, a lot of these questions. And I just thought, man, I just told them, said, listen, it'd be so much better if there was one voice, one person kind of fielding questions, and we structured it in the way that you weren't trying to talk about the actual death of the recent, um, cause they've had a few this year that you weren't talking about specific families because that would, could be very dishonorable to those families. It wouldn't be reverent and you don't want to get into the specifics, but then again, you can't skirt around the real challenges and real fears anyways. And I know originally they didn't want to do questions for those obvious reasons, because what happens if, if it turns into a big riot and people get all stirred up and they said, you know, if it does turn into questions, what should we do? I said, we should answer the questions. And sometimes the answer could be, I don't know the answer. But as a professional, there's pressure on us as professionals to have the answers. I've I've gotten better throughout the years if I didn't know the answer to say I didn't know the answer, but then it made me go out and find the answer. I was fortunate that I knew the conversation and I knew the questions that were going to be asked in that specific arena. I was confident I'd have some answers that would at least start other ideas. I wanted to change it from the problem to the solution, but we can't ignore the questions that people are worried about. So we, I answered the questions, I, I acknowledged them, and then I gave them some couple suggestions based upon what I've been seeing in the past 20 years doing this and how things have evolved. The conversation, instead of a presentation of PowerPoints at a community meeting like that, that is not a time to do PowerPoints when people are really in a difficult spot. It's a time to have a conversation. So I told them, would you prefer a presentation or a conversation asking questions and me giving some insight and starting dialogue? Everybody raised their, raised their hand to let's have a conversation. And then after it started going for a little bit, one brave woman in the back, she raised her hand and she said, my child came to me and she wasn't saying like, hey, so I have this neighbor who has this child. She said it was her she said the details would happen. And I looked at her and I think my exact response was, were you planning on saying that before you came here tonight? She just started crying. And everyone around her put their arms around her and she was like, no, I was not planning on saying that. And she said the reason why she said it is because she felt that, okay, I'm around people that are all having the same fears and concerns. Why don't I just put some skin in the game and say that this has happened in my own house, in my own family. As soon as she said that, Boom, 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 boom. I mean, it just really ignited a deeper level of a conversation, but someone had to go first. 
Someone had to put it out there. So McKinley, the principal, they had to take a bold step and try something different. We had to show up. This woman had to ask something. Other people had asked something. Then you know people started to share some personal stuff. And it really took on a life of its own till even after the the event was done. Heidi had a line of people. I had a line of people. The teenagers outside. The booths. And there was great community support. I mean, we had the local University of Utah Hospital. So all these people that were out there were now able to have, the conversation was already started. People knew what booth they needed to go to based upon what information they were getting. So it was like, it started this great connection and think tank. And then people were able to go, okay, I belong in this category. I need immediate help my kid. I belong in this category. I need some local community resources. Everyone knew what line to get in. And I'd never seen that happen before. I was proud to be a part of it. And I was thankful that Bingham being probably the most noticeable public school in the whole entire state because of their athletic program, the fact that they did this first, hats off to them. Something interesting happened. I haven't told you about this. So now, now this is it. We well, have good to break as... this episode up into two. Let's just keep on going. Let, <laughs> let's break this up to part one or part two or something like that. I don't know. We'll see. You guys will see once it comes out. If it's So my nephew came. And my nephew um, is 15 years old. And, you know, he's he's got plenty of his own struggles. And he loves, um, he, he asks his mom to bring him. He, he, he wants to know more. He wants to, he, he deals with his own stuff. And so he wanted to go to this meeting. And, you know, usually, like, it was apparent. I think it said it was a community meeting. There weren't a bunch of kids there. There was a handful. There, you know, there was a few. Um, and he sat, so he sat by me. And um, and my sister-in-law was there. His mom was there. And, um, you know, I noticed him listening and watching. And he was still fidgeting and he was still kind of on and off of his phone. And, um, occasionally he'd kind of bump me and want to show me a funny meme or something like that, that he, he ran across and, um, he really wants to come to quit tripping. So he, he, he want, he would love talking to those kids and finding out more about that. But what was interesting is that on the ride home and my sister-in-law told me this later, he said, you know, that's how I feel. Talking about you describing to the parents how a teenager feels when they get bombarded with questions. Or talking about how a mom needs to give the kid an either or. Or um, what was another thing you talked about? Um, making sure that that kid knows that your love isn't writing on their grade or on their cleanliness of their room or, you know, whatever. Um, or I think another thing you talked about was just being really open and honest about your concerns as a parent and talk to, talk to your child, like, like a, an equal in, in some cases, like this is what I see and this is what I'm concerned about. And anyway, um, there were several things that were tools that you talk about, stuff that and we talked about. he pointed out specifically. Yeah. And he was like, that is how I feel. That is what I would like it if you did that. That made sense to me. 
now I understand why I get mad when you do this. And my sister-in-law was like, okay, awesome. She, she was like, tell me more. What else did you, what else did you hear? What else did you connect with? She didn't get defensive, say, well, well, I don't really do that all the time. Just last week was a hard week for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> she was like happy. Hey, this is good. He's telling me. He's talking And then to me. I was stoked when she told me that because I don't usually, you know, normally I'm hearing the parents' response and talking to the parents and at our workshop, it's the parents. It was so cool to hear a kid who I know struggles with grades, with social stuff, you know, with anxiety, whatever, totally validating. And, and the light bulb's and, going on. Yes. Here. And I just was like, so maybe, maybe we need to get the kids and the parents in a room and talk about this stuff so that the kids can be like, yeah, I would like that. Yeah. That would make me feel better. Well, I, I don't know. It was awesome. It was awesome. The reason why I could stand up there and answer those questions with such confidence, I have a unique opportunity where, I like to put it this way. Have you ever seen that? There's this guy that he has these videos where he goes out into Africa and he ra like he lived with these prides of lions. And some of them, when he was babies, like, you know, he raised them and like he released them out, in like out into the, I, I forget the full story. But I was watching these videos and when he'd see the lions and they're full grown, he'd go to the pride that he used to hang out with, like live with them, sleep with them, hang out with them. They'd look at him and they'd start to creep up really slow. I'm like, oh, this dude's about to get eaten. <laughs> Something bad's about to happen. And then all of a sudden, now remember how scary lions are looking. They would prance and jump and knock him over. They started licking him. It shows him laying on the savannah in this big tree, like Lion King. But like all of a sudden you have this like granola looking dude just like laying in a pride of female and male lions as if he's one of them that's how i feel with teenagers for some reason in the past 20 years i was around them long enough i wasn't their counselor i wasn't their therapist i wasn't their guru i was the person who shut up and just listened i always wanted someone to listen to me when i was a teenager so I thought, what if I was a, a, an adult that didn't have an agenda and was just listening to them? And by the way, the companies that I worked for with the first 10 years of my career, they didn't pay me enough to be a real professional. So I'm like, I'm just, I'm just sitting here listening. I'm just here babysitting these kids. I might as well get to know them and hang out with them because they pay you minimum wage. No, I got paid $8.50, not $8.00. Dollars because I had a college degree. True story. Whole, whole different story. I was really excited about that. I was like, what? Point is, they invited me into their pride. They let me sit there and observe, and they forgot that I was there. So as teenagers were telling me these things throughout the years, I'd say, so wait a second. I heard, I don't know, 500 other teenagers say this. Is this what you're trying to say? And the light bulb go, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. I'm like, okay. Then I hear another teenager start to like try to find words to describe their relationship with their parents and friends and go, well, is this what you're trying to say? That's what I was trying to say. So I started to get on their same frequency and I started to just understand their language. I didn't learn to speak their language. I learned to listen to their language. And then after I learned to listen to their language and I shut up for long enough, then when I started to speak, because nothing's more annoying to a teenager than an adult that tries to use their language and you use it wrong. Oh, my kids you, love that. You try to be cool. <laughs> yeah. They tell me how much they love it. 
be like, Dave, help. She's doing it again. So Stop doing the dance move, mom, please. So it, ha- so it happened at this event and all these other times when I'm talking to parents, teenagers are telling me, go, yeah, that's what I've been trying to say. I become a mouthpiece. I can say something for them that they just couldn't communicate in those words. I'm glad he said that. But what that leads us to believe is that they need to have us as a vehicle for them to help say those things. And I'm proud to announce for the very first time, I've been promising for a long, 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 long time. (laughs) We're going to be launching our teen podcast through Elevate Podcasting is our, is our company that we started, you know, for podcasting. It's our hosting company. And, um, January 31st at our event, 1-800-CONTACTS, don't freak out event. We're going to be launching still tripping teen podcast and you know how i'm gonna be launching it how how i know we're gonna be launching it we've already started recording episodes it's we very have the exciting brand. we're doing our photo shoot next week with a whole bunch of teenagers parents shh and listen to the podcast <laughs> don't say anything don't tell your teenagers that they need to listen to it unless you're in a really good conversation with them like don't sell it to them let it be their podcast but you can let your curiosity spark enough to like listen in to what they're talking about you learn more from them than you've ever learned from me speaking about them. You're going to get to live with the pride of lions. You're going to see that they are scary on the outside, but they're all still lion cubs on the inside. Yeah. Super excited about that. And um, yeah. Well, and I just, I think that as a teenager, as a, as a kid, and I'm even going down to like a 10-year-old, a 8-year-old, 7-year-olds because... And I, we just think that if you're seven, eight, ten, twelve, you shouldn't have feelings that would make you want to end your life. Like that's just unfathomable. Especially when you have an Xbox, you have an iPhone. Exactly. You've got brand new shoes. Um. So it it just that just doesn't compute for us, and so we're di- we're we could be a little dismissive of those feelings. Um. Oh, crap. I just lost my train of thought. Mm, hang on. <laughs> I see it coming back. The train's <laughs> taking a U-turn. It's coming back to Heidi in five, four, anyway, three. I think what I was just saying is that we can't dismiss the fact that their feelings are, are real. And so for me to kind of get that inside track that he connected. Oh, this is what I was going to say. They don't have words to describe what they're feeling. Um, and so I felt like when Colton was, or I felt like when Colin was saying, Yeah, mom, I wish you were more like that, or I like that, or that makes sense. He was having, he was connecting and having those feelings. He wasn't criticizing her, he but was like he just her, didn't yeah. know. He couldn't have said those things to you. Like, please don't ask me questions because that makes me feel defensive. And then I don't like, want to talk to you anymore. And then I'll say mean things. You'll get mad at me and then it's going to hurt our relationship. Right. Like that, that accessibility to describing isn't there. It's not there. I mean, I'm in, in the upper, in the upper deck of the forties and I haven't had words 
to describe. And so I think that that's what's exciting to me about the Still Trippin' podcast is what made me think to myself, maybe we need to, maybe kids do need to listen in on this podcast. You know, maybe, maybe there is something that they can glean. Uh, maybe the light the fight parent listeners, and then we get enough still tripping teenage listeners. Maybe we can do create a bridge for maybe a workshop for parents and teens to come to, which I think would just be amazing. So, but we got we got to get we got to let the teens know they they got to see for themselves that we're legit. Like they got to know that that is their podcast, so that they can trust that when we bridge that gap, it's not something that. Their parents are making them do. They got to see the value in it themselves. Sure. And I, I know I can make that happen. I've been doing that for years as in private sessions. And the power of podcasting is, man, it's so much more intimate than I even had any idea it was going to be. Well, it, I don't want to say well. So in the past, we've done this first responder events. We've called them first responder because um, we're trying to teach this concept of not overreacting when something goes wrong. Um, but when we say the word first responder, some people are like, wait a minute, is this like a paramedic training course? Oh, or, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, I'm good. Um, so the same concept, the same concept that we talk about a lot here, this don't freak out, um, is an event that we have coming up on January 31st. And so if you're local, please tell your friends about it. Please let people know. Um, it's Corner happening Canyon's at Corner Canyon High School at 7 o'clock from 7 to 9 p.m. And we, so at first I was thinking, okay, this is for parents because we're going to teach parents how not to freak out. Um, but after my experience- <laughs> This on, is going to be validating for teens, so they better show up too. <laughs> but, well, that's what I'm thinking. Like- here I was trying to feel like, okay, let's let's give the parents some tools because they're flailing. I was flailing. But I think the teenagers need this information just as much as the 20-year-olds and the 60-year-olds and the 12-year-olds. In fact, I have reached out to the parents of my daughter Capri's friend group, and there's 12 or 15 of these young girls that they're seventh graders and they're super connected and super stoked and they've become this awesome support system for each other and they're very protective of each other they you know and so i'm just so i reached out to them and said you know what i want you to bring your seventh graders to this thing and it's not only going to be a resource for you it's also going to help your kids understand that you're trying to learn that you're trying to make these steps into not freaking out when something goes wrong. But also, they're going to have situations with their friends, whether they're being bullied, whether they're feeling insecure, whether somebody is talking about stuff that makes them feel uncomfortable or, you know, whatever. They're going to pick up on the same cool tools. Don't freak out. Tell somebody that you trust. You know, and and the other things that we talk about that night. I'm I'm slowly moving from the and and I've and I have my nephew to thank for this. I believe this message is for everybody. And and actually, when we listen to it at the same time, we can kind of look at each other and be like, "Are you picking this up? Are you gonna do this? 
Are you really going to make this change? And I think it can open a really powerful dialogue there. So, you know, if you are local, I don't care how old your kids are, bring your kids and bring their friends. Make it social. Come and find out how we as a community can support not just the people who are closest to us, not just our kids, but our entire community. And and that's what 1-800 really wanted. Originally, we were just going to come in and do this for the people who worked at 1-800. And they have, you know, a thousand employees, everything from like your college students to the people who have been there for like, they have the longest employer retention rate that I've ever heard of. 20, 23, 25, 27 year employees, right? And they, they're saying, if everybody comes, we're all going to create a community that is much more functional. You're going to be happier at home, more functional at home. You're going to be happier and more functional in your personal relationships, happier, more functional in your professional relationships. And the community is just going to work that much better. That's the purpose. Um, so that was a little change in my expectation level for, for this event and for this podcast and maybe maybe just for what our vision is of, of what we're even trying to do. You know, and, um, as you're talking, it, uh, it reminded me um, of, a, of a quote. And I'd, I'd sent this quote to you earlier in the week. And it's not a quote that I think we're going to use on... Um, on the podcast, but I kind of wanted to, to end this because what you're saying, it reminded me of this quote. And, um, I really like this quote because, well, let me just say it first. The quote is by Terry Pratchett, Pratchett, I think it says. So it says, seeing contrary to popular wisdom, isn't believing it's where belief stops because it isn't needed anymore. When you have a connection, most people, when they come to our events, when they come to me as a professional, they want me to show them that they can have a relationship with their kid. But then they tell me they've tried everything and it doesn't work and they don't believe they can have a relationship with their kid. So they say, I want to see the proof, but I don't really believe that it's going to be able to work out. When you had that experience with your nephew telling your sister-in-law that, when people have this connection with their kids where their kids are saying, yeah, that's how I feel. And they're like, wow, I didn't know that's how I feel. And they have different conversations. Then they can see talking about the right things and having the right information, the right approach can help you so that you don't need to like have all the proof all the time. You can see further. You can see the person. You don't need to, to like, well, I got you got to show it to me before I believe it. Just like that quote says. And, you know, when you're talking about with your nephew and stuff like that, I get the privilege of seeing this all the time. That's why I don't need to sit here and try and convince people that these things are going to work. I'm just waiting for them to be in a place where they're willing to step outside of their comfort zone and do something because everything else hasn't worked. I really don't like it when people have to to take too many shots to their relationship when they have to lose loved ones to things like suicide or when they have to watch loved ones struggle, you know, you know, depression, anxiety, 
And I'm not saying that's as simple as if you do all the things we're telling you, your family won't struggle. But I do like it when people see faster and sooner than later that there is other ways of approaching the most important relationships in your life. Um, good intentions mixed with bad ideas. I'm quoting someone else right now. It can lead to a lot of bad parenting mistakes that your relationship may or may not be able to come back from. You may lose your kids, your influence over your kids at some of the most vital times of their life. You may lose their trust. You may lose their belief because they're not seeing that you know how to talk to them. Now, in our in our you know workshop or not workshop, but in our presentation that we're going to talk about, um, that we're going to give on the thirty first, we're going to help you see that the old school way of parenting, shaming, and then this past decade or so, whatever, with the I generation, the millennials, there's been a reaction to that, and a lot of people would say there's been a lot of coddling. So, and from a shaming parenting style to a coddling parenting style, we're just going to give you some information to help you see there's a lane in between there. Those two extremes both have a lot of blind spots that can really disrupt the natural growth of our relationship with our kids and our family members. So we look forward to seeing everybody out on 31st. And if you got nothing to do on February 8th and 9th and you feel that our information would be of value to you, we got our workshop here locally in South Jordan. We've been posting a lot about that and um, on our social media. We'll be posting more about that in the future. Come on out. One's a free event. The other one, if you feel there's value in that, if we have some seats left over, sign up for the on, sign up online for the workshop. Because the workshop, that's where, you know, we're just going to break it down for you a lot more. Right. The workshop. The workshop is kind of mind-blowing. So um, both those things are available. And, uh, you know, I know that D Dave is always saying that hope is not a strategy. And, you know, I always kind of hate it when he says that because I always like to say, I hope this and I hope that. And I think that hope is important for me. Um, I just prefer people saying things like, because words are so important, like I intend or this is what I'd like. Like to actually just like say it or saying, I hope. I know. Because yeah, hope is, don't get me wrong, hope's great. You got to have hope. You got to have faith. <laughs> but think about it. You don't but we hope have your to, bills get paid. Right. We have to take this is a way to take action is come to this event is listening to this podcast is coming and finding out more at the workshop. Um, because you're right. You can't just, and, and that does help me, you know, you can't hope your p bills get paid. Um, you've got to take action. And, and I think that sometimes when we just don't know what to do, we just kind of get paralyzed, which is why this information is so great because we actually tell you, give you tools. We talk more in depth about tools that we've hit on in the podcast here in a just a really linear way that makes it really easy to digest and understand and then turn around and take action immediately. And and that's that's what's awesome about it. So you're ready for your event? I'm super I'm super hyped. I gotta go home and pack. <laughs> Let's start a hashtag, hashtag hugs for Heidi. <laughs> oh, no. There you go. Hugs for Heidi. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Well, 
lots of hugging bears in Toy Story. <laughs> if you take a picture, have a friend take a picture of you hugging Heidi, please post it. Please send it to us. Tag us in it, and we'll share it on our Instagram. We're going to start a <laughs> Hugs for Heidi campaign. Oh, great. There I went. There goes my experiment. Why are you la- I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually being quite literal and serious. Hugs for Heidi. Well, thank you. I I have access to our Instagram. Even though I don't usually get on it, I will post it myself. (laughs) It's good. I need to. This is this is legitimately the bridge I'm trying to build for myself. Um, So, well, amen. We're gonna have some good hugs. (laughs) All right. Well, look forward to seeing you guys all in our event. Uh, Look out for the Still Tripping podcast because it's coming in hot. That's right. And as always. Thank you for listening and thank you for helping us to light the fight. Boom.